on episode 10 of the Triathlete Hour. I'm Kelly O'Mara, your host and the editor-in-chief of Triathlete Magazine. Hopefully, you also caught our new podcast, Triathletes Fitter and Faster, which is 100% focused on the training topics you need to get fitter and faster. You'll find episode one with Dr. Stacey Sims on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, all the places. But today, on this show, we first talk with elite triathlon coach Marilyn Chakota about what athletes are struggling with right now and how they can adapt their training through all the uncertainty. Marilyn talks extensively about figuring out your motivation. And we link to the worksheet she mentions in our show notes. So do your homework. And then we have a long chat with multi-time Ironman champ and Kona podium finisher, Heather Jackson. She tells us how she went from being a school teacher in San Jose to one of the fastest American women in Ironman. What made her quit her steady job, change her whole lifestyle and move to San Diego to become a pro triathlete? How does she stay so positive? And she tells us what the deal was with the whole carrying a banana thing when she won Ironman Lake Placid. All that on today's episode after this short break. If you've been paying attention to what the pros are doing, then you've probably heard about Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on how recovered you are and how much stress you put your body through during the day. Each day when you get up, Whoop gives you a recovery score based on your sleep, resting heart rate, and heart rate variability. And the way it works is you wear the Whoop band around your wrist all day. And don't worry, it's 100% waterproof. It even tracks your heart rate while you're swimming. You can then analyze your activity and recovery levels in the app. And you can use features like Strain Coach, which gives you target workout exertion goals tailored to your body's recovery for that day. You can even set to tell you when you've hit your target strain effort for the day, like, okay, that was good, now you can stop. There's also a built-in sleep coach which lets you know how much sleep you should be getting based on your expected activity level for the next day. And it tracks all your different sleep cycles. Whoop is offering 15% off right now with the code triathlete at checkout. Go to whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com and enter triathlete at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop today. Okay, I'm here with Marilyn Chakota, one of like elite triathlon coaches. And I have to say, I feel like I should carry this, my coach too. So this could get like super personal, right? (laughs) Awesome. But I wanted to have you on, Marilyn, because we've been getting just like so many questions. I get so many emails from triathletes who are just having a hard time with all the news right now, with all the race cancellations and the uncertainty. And I'm wondering, I mean, obviously, (laughs) you've been getting a lot of questions I know from me, from you know, our fellow athletes, what kind of issues are you seeing people struggling with right now? Yeah, this has been obviously a a time that is, you know, nothing like we've ever seen before in sport, you know, sports essentially across the board have been canceled for this period of time. And so where does that leave us as, as athletes and coaches and how do coaches help direct their athletes through this time? And, you know, every person's Um, circumstances are a little bit different in terms of, you know, where they live, what they have access to, what they don't, um, what their personal goals are, where they're at in their athletics. And so as coaches, we really have to help athletes navigate through that and and stay positive. And, um, you know, I think first identifying for each athlete where their motivation comes from. So that's going to be really important. So number one, what are they what are their circumstances? What are they dealing with? And then where does their motivation come from? And, and what is their 
end result goal. So, you know, obviously a professional athlete, what their life is going to look like right now as this, as they move through this versus someone who is a lifestyle athlete and, and isn't really looking to race that much and is more doing triathlon for lifestyle health and fitness. So really um, for coaches, taking the time to sit with their athletes and find out, you know, what is the athlete's motivation? Where does it come from? And then developing a plan that's in line with that athlete's motivation and, and goals, their, their long-term outcome outcome you know what what it was why are they doing this sport and what are they trying to get out of it and making sure that that's all in line and um i think that's really the first step for a lot of coaches and athletes as they navigate through this so obviously if you're if your goal is to go to the olympics and now the olympics are canceled that's going to be an entirely different conversation than hey i'm i'm just looking to improve my health and my lifestyle and and um you know i do this purely for improvement of of my own personal you know, development and, and goals that way. So that's, that's step one, I think that's super important as we, as we move through this. I've been saying to a lot of athletes, you know, um, in terms of mental health, as we move through this, it, it might be a good idea just to shift your mindset towards really long-term. In other <laughs> words, a very, a very simple way of putting it is saying, let's just start right now thinking about 2021. So if yeah. you, if you just, because I think that anticipation of waiting around, like, is it going to be June? Is it going to be July? Is it going to be August? Is it going to be November? And we just really don't know at the moment. And so I think if we can just say, hey, let's shift our mindset of whatever that is, wherever your motivation is, your overall development, your goals, that's a personal conversation between you and your coach. If, if we just shift that plan that you develop together towards 2021 being your 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 pursuit of where you're going to be the strongest then then now the whole the whole uh, idea of that changes and the motivation towards that changes because we're really shifting towards 2021 versus are we sitting around and waiting for next month three months six months and and just sort of in that like lingering hanging on sort of gray zone it's like we clearly are going to wait until then and and if something happens before then fantastic you know maybe it's icing on the cake maybe it's a preparation, you even say to your athlete, well, if something happens to open up before then, then we can make a decision together whether this can be a piece of the puzzle to work towards that 2021, or is it maybe even smarter to say, even as things open up, you make a personal decision together whether you are ready to jump back in the fire, or we just simply make that call to wait till 2021. You know, each athlete, you might approach that differently. So, you know, one athlete might say, I'm going to do some local running races, or I might, you know, uh, jump into if there's some local triathlons that open up, or perhaps they're, they're ready to even jump in the fire with, with the big ones that open up later. Um, It's going to be a little bit different. Someone else might say, hey, I I really want to just wait and ride this time out and let all the let all the hiccups and, and, you know, see how this is going to play out and just sit on the sideline for a bit before I jump back in and, and, um, you know, you want the, uh, it was it, you always, you don't eat the first, uh, you don't eat the first pancake, right? You always like, let, let them yeah. figure out how to do it first. <laughs> it's like cliff diving. You go first. Right. right. right? <laughs> let me know how, let me know what's on the bottom there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it, it's going to be a little bit different for everyone. So I, that is something, I mean, I think that is, it's something Heather Jackson says later in this episode we were talking about where 
there's something really hard. I think about being like, okay, it's fine. I'll just wait till June. And then June gets canceled. Okay. I'll just wait till July. And then I'll, I'll just wait till August. And you keep having to like, and I think that's been what's really emotionally hard for a lot of us, for a lot of athletes, just the not knowing and you keep pushing it back. And so, I mean, I personally have felt like I'm just not going to even worry about this year, but a lot of people, you know, they're signed up for races. They aren't going to get their money back. They like, they have it on their calendar and they don't know if they should be training or not training. Like, it's just, it's hard to know. Yeah. And I think if, if, if each athlete can, like I say, you sort of figure out and you and I talked before this episode a little bit through email about if you're intrinsically motivated or, you know, if it like go back and revisit those a little bit. So am I doing this for, you know, mastering a skill? Am I trying to, okay, so you look at it, I need to get to a level where I want to win an Ironman. So what are all of the skills that I need to master in order to get to that point and, and maybe go back to the fundamentals and you can look at it as I have this opportunity of time to rebuild from the ground up towards that, that goal long term. And, and I've talked even a, a lot about, you know, look at thing and if you're an Olympic athlete and COVID wasn't in the mix and you're at the start of your four year journey, you and your coach set out a plan to say, okay, four years from now, we're going to peak for the Olympics. And then along the way, there's, you know, world championships, there's national championships, and even if you're, you know, Commonwealth Games, these types of things. So you can look at this time period like that and say, okay, I'm not going to race till 2021. Or even if I get to before then, those are going to be building block moments towards 2021. So let's look, I've got this huge chunk of time to take advantage of, you know, all these pieces of the puzzle that are going to go into that. Maybe for some athletes, it's revamping their entire uh, nutrition, their skill set, their base, their um, maybe they need to work on their top end ceiling. Every athlete's different, but those are the things that you're going to look at with your coach. What do you have available to you? And then where are my weaknesses and what am I working towards long-term to to get there and set, start setting those long-term plans. For sure. And I think some people, (laughs) I know you and I have gone back and forth about this, but some people, you know, they're like, it's too rough right now. It's too hard. I just want to have fun. I need to like mentally not wear myself out. And, you know, that's fine too. Like, I think everyone is going to be like a little different for sure. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to recognize as well is that, you know, if you're, if you're struggling in terms of, um, you know, I don't want to keep this massive amount of structure and push for something big at the moment that recognizing that, you know, as a coach, you look at your athlete and say, okay, we need to step the pressure piece of this back. However, I need to keep this athlete rolling forward in the development phases towards their overall goal. Because if we get too far away from that, now we've got to, we've got to take even longer to get there. Or um, maybe they've gotten too far away from the base level of skills, fitness, um, you know, just level of overall performance to be within reach of the goal that they set for themselves. That when, when things are back to normal, you know, you're in a good position going forward. So, you know, if the athlete sort of mentally tapping out and saying, I can't, you know, this is where I'm at mentally, then, then the coaches out there need to say, okay, recognize that this is where you are mentally. However, I need to now set a plan forward to keep them as close as possible to what they're going to need to do to come out of this and, and still be there with their best foot forward and, and ready to work towards those goals. And we're not starting from complete ground zero or perhaps let let a window of opportunity go by that is, is too far away. And mental part is, is a big part of it, right? You don't want your athletes to come out of this time period completely burnt out. 
So you need, as coaches, you need to, to listen to them and say, yes, uh, this athlete does need less structure or they need maybe just a little bit more freedom or they need to have a lot more fun. I have athletes doing everything from, you know, some athletes, they want to participate in a lot of the challenges and, and race, Zwift online races and the all virtual of those things. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. because they're extreme. I can't ever say that word. They're motivated by, you know, results and other, other stuff. Extrinsically motivated. <laughs> right. I can't say that word. I have such a hard time with it. So they, you know, that is really important to them and keeping it, keeping it fun is going to be better for them and their overall development when we come out of this and we do get to work towards a real race versus if I said, no, you need to just stick to your plan. Instead, I'm like, okay, well, let's use these races within your plan and I'm going to actually teach you tactics and how to get after it and how are we going to win some of these races and we use those as motivators to keep them excited having fun because part of the the biggest battle is just keep turning up every day right I mean right. that's the battle of training is you just keep turning up every day now another athlete might say like look I I really need a lot of structure right now I need I need your help I need to know every single day I'm working towards something really really big and I need to really actually be feeling like I'm continually pushing hard towards that big goal. Even if it is 12 months down the road, I want to know every single session is geared towards that. And I'm not interested in a bunch of challenges. I, I don't want to just lay around and, and wait for this to, to be over. I'm very motivated and I need a lot of structure towards, towards accomplishing those goals. And so you're going to see everything from those two extremes and everything in between. And I think it's the coach's job to make sure that you nurture that and find that out about that athlete and then set the plan in place so that the end result is the same when we come out of this, whatever, whatever that looks like with, within the athletes, you know, mental makeup, logistical, what's going on for them and, and ultimately set them up for success as they come out of this. You know, you don't want them to be, um, you know, coming out of this, having to start over or, or just maybe even turn away from the sport. No, no, you don't want them to quit because, because of COVID. Yeah, exactly. We have been talking a lot. I mean, I've been hearing a ton about motivation and you know, what motivates you for the last two months. And we've been talking a lot about extrinsically versus intrinsically motivated, but there's a way that, so sorry for people who don't know, that means like kind of being motivated by the outcome versus being motivated by the process itself. And people always talk about it as if, one is better than the other, as if being motivated by the process is better than, you know, being motivated by racing. But I love racing. Like racing is great. Like, yeah. So yeah. I don't think it like one isn't necessarily better than the other. Right. I agree. No, not one isn't better than the other. And I even had some great conversation with both athletes about, you know, what. So some people will say, well, you, you know, what motivates a person it might be that we talk about it always needing to be happy or very, you know, positive and all of these things. Well, some people are motivated by anger or they're <laughs> like Michael motivated. Jordan, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you see yeah, very, very successful athletes that are motivated, you know, even by um, competitive spite or, you know, there is a, a wide variety of emotions or things that motivates athletes and, um, and brings out great results. I think, as coaches, it's our job to figure out, like I say, again, with each athlete and it changes too, which with each athlete, what motivates them at that time. So like what motivates an athlete through COVID and what motivates an athlete in a normal race season 
is going to look, it might look different or as they develop as an athlete, what motivates you when you're a beginner versus as you advance through your development or when you're a professional and then when you're retired and doing it for a lifestyle, I mean, your motivations are, are going to change and hopefully either you're working with a coach or, or with, um, you know, great group of friends or peer group or whatever to, to keep, you know, nurturing that forward. And so, yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, if, if your motivation, you know, I've seen plenty of athletes, they're like, my motivation is to go out there and win. And they're purely motivated by winning. Um, and I don't think that there's anything, anything wrong with that. It's just, you know, navigating what the best plan to keep that, keep nurturing that through this time. And so, like I say, there's different outlets for that. So maybe you place in your program different test sets or 5K sets right. or virtual races and, and you continue to nurture that so that they keep getting better when the normal races aren't available um, right now. And and someone who's intrinsically motivated by the process, you're you're going to keep revisiting more of the what is, why are they doing this day to day? What is it? Why is this personal to them? More of, you know, keep documenting all of the, all of this, those things, you know, revisiting those and keeping their motivation high through through that process. So, and you sent me, different. yeah, it was like you sent me a questionnaire thing that people can take to kind of figure out their motivations, which I might link to in our in our show notes and stuff. So, if people want to kind of ask themselves what they're motivated by, they can. Um, yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. How much are you spending, like talking to your athletes right now, working them through this stuff? Yeah, this, um, the sports motivation scale, I mean, anyone can look that up. You can, you know, you can Google that and put your, and you can do it yourself. Um, you know, go through the little questionnaire if you're unsure how you're motivated. Um, there's lots of little workbooks out there. There's real, real simple ones. And, um, you know, again, I'm a, I'm such a big believer in that uh, coaching is, it's a, it's a, the business of, there's an element of relationships, right? I mean, your, your job as a coach is to figure out, what each athlete needs to get the most out of them, you know, whether it's if they're lacking in an area of skills or education or whether it's physical, mental, nutritional, whatever that is. And so again, each has some athletes there right now, they don't, they don't really need me to talk to them a whole lot. I had an athlete email me the other day. He's like, well, um, he's in, in Panama. So he's really locked down. You know, they're allowed to outside two hours a day for essentials only. And it's been that way for like eight weeks and they no end in sight. And so I didn't need to have a conversation with him. He just took it upon himself. He emailed me, he said, for the next eight weeks, I'd like to increase my STP. I've got available to me, my trainer, that's it. Um, I can focus one hour a day and work pretty hard on my trainer. And I'd like to test now, do a block to increase my STP. And eight weeks from now, I'd like to retest period. Boom. That was it. I didn't need to do anything <laughs> other than set the plans in order for that to happen. And then I have other athletes that, you know, they're, they're needing um, more emails, phone calls, Zoom calls, um, group connects, um, you know, challenges, different things. They, they are, they're needing a little bit more um, direction from me or maybe a little bit more structure or communication and, and conversations and that kind of stuff. So um, I hate to sound repetitive, but it, you know, it's, in coaching it it always is it depends it depends right. on the athlete yeah i mean i guess that's true if you're saying it doesn't depend then you're probably wrong right so <laughs> right right i mean it's just it's not a one glove fits all type thing if you're if you're really in it for helping people be better because everybody's different yeah all right so what is like not to then you know 
to pick pick one thing that everybody can follow. <laughs> what yeah. is like a thing that uh, the thing you know you've kind of been hearing a lot that you know people are getting wrong right now, or that would help them through all this? Yeah. So the uh, and I'll even give you two just to to help you out here. Two things that I will advise people and that I've been saying pretty consistently is no matter how bad you feel right now, keep just don't stop. So keep some level of um, whether it be from very extreme to very, very driven and goal and all these goal orientated and, and like all these great things we're talking about to, hey, I only have enough energy to do something, you know, for 30 to 30 minutes a day or, you know, five days a week or whatever. However, I'm saying don't don't stop so that you have to start from ground zero when you come out of this. So the one that would be the first is continue to stay connected in some way. Um, and then the other piece of advice is what we already talked about, I'd say, is if you can shift that mindset to instead of um, thinking about hoping for right now, what about June? What about July? What about because we can't control the unknown, shift your entire mindset to let's just focus on very long term, which would be 2021, 2022. What do I want to do five years from now? And set all of your expectations, goals, and plan towards those long-term develop that long-term development for you in in sport and in health and in life. And then I think you're going to start to see be able to develop a plan for yourself that's going to feel a lot better if, if you're struggling right now. Yeah, I had to go through and delete the races out of Training Peak, so I stopped getting like the notifications emotionally. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Well, thank you so much, Marilyn, for talking to us and for all the advice. And I'm hoping, you know, it helps some people. Awesome. Thanks so much for having having me. And um, yeah, always happy to help. We're triathletes. We like to know how we're performing and how we could be better. We want all the data. And that's where Whoop comes in. Whoop is a fitness wearable that tracks your heart rate, heart rate variability, sleep, activity levels, calories burned, and most importantly, recovery. Every day, Whoop gives you a recovery score based on how your body is recovered from the day before. So you can know if today's the day to tackle that huge workout or maybe adjust and pull back a little, take an extra nap. Whoop is offering 15% off right now with the code triathlete at checkout. Go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P dot com and enter triathlete at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover better, and train better. Get faster right now with Whoop. All right, I'm here with Heather Jackson, the current Ironman American record holder, many-time Ironman champion, and you like just drove back from Arizona to Bend, right? <laughs> Literally, yeah. Well, well, I guess two days ago now, but I've lost track of what day it is. <laughs> Everyone, what's the joke? Time means nothing anymore. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, yeah, like I was just describing um, to you earlier, I was definitely ready to... Uh, just ready for a change. Um, we were, Wadi, my husband and I were obviously trying to respect the different um, things going on right now, just with travel and social distancing and all that. So yeah, we were kind of holding out down in Tucson and I was ready to get back up here to Bend. Um, so finally convinced him. He's more of a desert heat rat and I'm more like mountains, cold air. So every year it's not a battle, but it's like, I always want to come back here earlier and he wants to linger there longer. But we're back up in bed. <laughs> I was going to ask you, how did you guys end up in these, like, because I remember you used to live back in the Bay Area. Like, how did you end up in the Bend, Arizona triathlon thing yeah. that everyone does? Yeah. 
I know it's so funny, right? Yeah, because my triathlon days started um, in San Jose area. So I had moved to San Jose, California, um, right out of college. So and met all the local triathletes there and kind of got into the sport the most there. And that's where I met Wadi. He was working for Triathlete Magazine for like 12 oh. years. So um, he had come up with then editor Brad Culp. And those were the two, they were like the two like oldest people I know in the sport or longest <laughs> standing. So him and um, Culp like came up, did an interview on one of the local tri teams. And then we all went out that night and had like a pretty late night, uh, the three of us. <laughs> Um, so that's where I met Wadi. I didn't start dating him until almost like a year and a half later, but uh, we just kind of stayed in touch and I'd see him at races and stuff. And then he convinced me to move to San Diego where he was at the time. But my brother has lived in Bend for about 10 years now. So we started visiting him and fell in love. And um, so that's how we end up in Bend eventually um, after a few years in San Diego. And then I used to come down to Tucson for training camps with my previous coach, Cliff English. And so that's how the Tucson thing started. And we were just renting a VRBO every time we'd go down there for a training camp. And then um, all my Kona preps have been done in the heat of Tucson. And so we just realized all the money we were spending on Airbnbs and VRBOs, like we could get a place there. So we, f we finally were able to get, get a spot down there. Um, three years ago now oh, so man. yeah pretty lucky feel very very fortunate to have have that possibility uh the two two spots <laughs> right you're like living the dream now I was gonna ask you later about how you got uh into the sport but I feel like since you just brought it up I mean you started as like age group athlete you were a teacher like an elementary school teacher just like doing this for fun on the weekends it wasn't like oh I'm gonna be a pro at this which I don't think people like realize that at all <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I was full. I was age grouper for probably um, three years, two or three years, right out of college. Again, like my mom um, and dad were doing a local sprint try back in New Hampshire. And I was home from college for the summer and went with them. So that was my first one ever. Um, did a few more that year, but then fast forward a year and I had graduated and I got the teaching job out in San Jose. So I drove cross country with my sister. And then I, yeah, I looked, looked up the local um, tri teams in the area. And then at the time, um, Becky Lavelle was like one of the top oh, yeah. pros and she lived in Los Gatos with her also pro triathlete husband, um, Brian Lavelle, and they would run different kind of group workouts in the area. And then, um, I hooked up with the local tri team through them. And, um, I was raced on the age group team. Alsis is what it was called yeah, at the time. That. Yeah. Um, for, yeah, I think that was two or three seasons. Um, and I was teaching at, it was called the Harker School. I mean, it's still there um, in San Jose for two years. Um, it was during then that I met Wadi. And Wadi's like, you can always teach. You can always go back to it. You can always try to give this a go. So um, he's like, yeah, I can help you out as best I can. And um, he's like, you should move down to San Diego. Like, I can help you out. And so... Um, yeah, it was at Wildflower 2009 that Wadi was there for Triathlete Mag, and he was like, yeah, just do it. Just make the move. And so I went, I remember I went back after Wildflower. This is why Wildflower was is such a, like, a monumental piece of my life, really, just 
so many different things there, but it was, he said, okay, you should give this a go. So I went back, told our principal that I was going to be done after the school year ended, which was about a month later and packed up and moved down. <laughs> okay. How good were you, were you at the time? Because I feel like there are some times where people were like, hey, I'm going to quit my job, move to the city I've never <laughs> been to and become a professional athlete. You'd be like, oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had had, I, I had been winning my age group and then um, like I would compare it to the results of pros. And I had a few, few results here and there that would have, would have placed me, I don't know, maybe like a top 10 or top five with the pros. So there were a couple where it was like, okay, um, I couldn't swim at, I mean, I still can't swim, but (laughs) I was getting out like, I can't even remember what I used to swim a half in. Um, It was very far back from the front front women. So (laughs) I want to say I was in like the forties for some of them. So like 20 minutes behind but I could bike because I had the the leg muscles from hockey so I had all my all the skill during those kind of first years were all on the bike just um yeah having having just skated for 20 years of my life but um and then yeah I couldn't run either so it was this uh You like get out of the water really far back, you bike your way all the way up, and then you just like try to hold on. Walk in, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Oh, no. That's true. You did, because you did hockey, like your whole, I mean, you played in college. That was your sport. Why didn't you go pro in hockey? Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the goal. For women, there wasn't anything as a thing, Um, especially then. The only thing really was the Olympics. So I tried for the 06 games and didn't make the team. Um, And so... And that coincided with my senior year of college. So after that, there was nothing. Now there is actually like a minor league um, program. And then there's some other kind of semi-pro leagues in Canada and Europe for women. But there is, it's not like there's an NHL for women. So um, it was kind of like, yeah, what am I going to do now? And I I didn't pick. Yeah, triathlon was just random. It wasn't like, oh, now I want to do triathlon. Like it was, I literally just was supporting my mom uh, by going with her and it sounded like a fun like adventure, but I I didn't even know what it was really at the start. <laughs> You're like, wait, explain to me what we're doing. Yeah. Well, the first one I ever did was a mountain bike. Um, not technical. It was just like, your, I rode my mountain bike. It was a 12 mile mountain bike to a lake. You swam across a lake and then you ran up um, the ski mountain. It was in New Hampshire. Um, but I just thought like at any rate, or all races were, different possible like it didn't I didn't know there was like a specific order it was always swim bike run or I I thought they were all just like yeah you're gonna swim and bike and run and all of them are different (laughs) we're just gonna make it up yeah yeah sometimes you bike first sometimes you run first (laughs) that would be more fun I think actually if it was just like yeah 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 or you didn't know until you got there on the day like that could be fun (laughs) so since you did spend like you know, a long time of your life really dedicated to, uh, you know, another sport at elite level. And then you were doing the age group thing for a while. And then you kind of transitioned. What do you think was the biggest change? Like, this is what I'm curious about between being an age grouper and a pro. Like, what did you have to really shift mentally and physically? Um, that's a good question, actually. Um, I think it's more like you have to be way more disciplined because I used to just, um, but discipline in so many 
areas. I mean, the first thing that came to mind was just with my training of being way more structured of, okay, what I'm doing today has an effect on tomorrow, has an effect on the next day, and I'm doing it on this day for a certain reason. Um, it's going to affect my fatigue level tomorrow in this way. Like, I used to just go to all the different group things in San Jose area, like all the track workout, the group rides, and just just go as hard as I could and hammer every workout. I think that can sometimes be a common theme with age groupers, just um, ones I've worked with before at camps or like you just go hard every single workout, every single session, every day. Um, because yeah, a lot, as an age grouper, you're, you usually have another job, like it's not your profession. So you're getting off work and you only have an hour to work out or you only have an hour before and then an hour after. So everyone is hard. And I used to do that when I was teaching, I'd swim in the mornings and then in the afternoon, just hammer whatever it was that I was doing with our bike or run. And when you're a pro, you have, you're, it allows you to be more calculated with gaining fitness and how you approach it versus um, going hard every session every day. Cause that catches up to you. And so it was learning, I guess, that process and then learning just um, beyond just the physical side of training, um, but managing your day, um, managing other things, sponsor relationships, um, really treating it as a business over just, oh, sweet, I don't have to work anymore. Like, I'm a pro. Like, I just can do whatever and train whatever. And it's it's really not that, especially if you want to um, – yeah, treat it as a business and, and work for those partners that are supporting you. Um, so yeah, just, and I was so beyond lucky to have Wadi kind of guiding me because he had been in the industry for 15, I don't know how long, 15 years. And he had a lot of contacts, but he also knew, um, you know, the other side of things like, okay, this company wants to support you. They're going to pay you actual money. Um, you have to, that's your job now. Like, what are you going to do for them? And so just staying on top of those relationships as well. Um, yeah. as just, yeah, wanting to train all day, every day. Train. I know a lot of people think pros just like hang out all day, but pros are really busy. They're very busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, I have a lot, especially now it's crazy. Even with no, um, racing on the near, near horizon, it's, like we, yeah, find ourselves even busier, which fair enough, like you have to work for your partners in other ways now. So just with videos and all these other, other things going on right now. Oh, um, for sure. Zoom happy hours, all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I haven't, I know we, we like didn't even talk about quarantine and like how you're dealing with it and everything. So you were in Arizona when, I don't say when shit went down, when things happened uh, with Eric and Paula, right? Because we talked to them a few weeks ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, totally. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, we've spent some time with them, I guess, more. I've randomly trained with Paul in the past and then hung hung out with Eric a little bit prior, but not like this last stint. So it was almost like, yeah, we were for, not forced into quarantine, but obviously like not meant to travel, not meant to leave home. Um, they were kind of splitting time like in their van slash then moved into our home. So we had only been with them anyway. So it was like fine. And we were felt comfortable and we were all just, we literally, I mean, to be honest, like life quote unquote quarantine wasn't that much different. Like it's not like we ever go out anyways. <laughs> I think it's more just being more aware when you're out, like riding and running, right. staying away from people that you don't know. So 
for instance, in Tucson, there's like this super popular bike path. And so like I stopped using that as much as I could just because there's more people on it. So oh my God, there's run. so many people. Bike paths are dangerous, right? I got like hit on a bike. It's so yeah. dangerous right now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So just it, that was more the change that versus like going out to restaurants and stuff because we, I mean, rare, not rarely, but yeah, it's not. So anyways, but yeah, having it go down with Eric and Paula, like we were like, oh, okay. I mean, at first, you know, I think we were all super positive because we're like, okay, ocean, it was, we were all training for Oceanside and then Oceanside was canceled. And we're like, okay, this will just be like a month or so kind of gives us this little pause and we can kind of check out some things we've been meaning to. And that was about two hours south of Tucson is just this like untapped area down by the Mexico border. And it's just it is incredible riding, running, trails, dirt roads. There's a lake down there. So we just, yeah, the four of us went down there and just camped out for, um, I mean, I we were down there for like three weeks total, but we came back up to Tucson a couple of times just to do laundry and like check in on internet and stuff like that. <laughs> Be responsible. But otherwise, yeah, we were literally like off a dirt road camping they had their van and then Wadi and I were just sleeping in our Honda element and it was (laughs) it was pretty rad I mean no other time would we have ever you know had the opportunity to do that so it was kind of I think really exciting and we were staying pretty positive and then as it started to drag on a bit it was like okay I mean I think everyone started to crave that like not structure but like okay what are we working towards what are the new goals um, right. I mean, you guys ultimately are... did like a QOM attempt up Mount Lemon, right? Exactly. Exactly. That kind of came out of that. We all, we came back. We were like, all right, like now what? And we were kind of all just like hanging out for a couple of days. We were back up um, in Tucson. And then, yeah, Paul and I were, we had been watching the battle between Lionel and Sam Long. So it, that was just fun. And we, uh, for Wadi Yang, support Sam Long. And so Wadi and him are pretty close. And, he had been keeping Wadi up to date on, I'm going to go for Lemon again if you want to like get any photos or photo shoots. Wadi's obviously always trying to catch assets for that. So, and Paul and I were like, oh, we should do that. We but we're not like, we're, <laughs> we're like friends and not that like, what, I don't know what the word would be. So we were like, how should we do this? Like, should we just do it together? Should we like, ta- like go a minute apart or but yeah, we decided on Sunday and then got up and did it Monday morning. So um, yeah, it was she pretty, crushed it. I was gonna say she, she, I mean, the fact that she took that QOM that a triathlete could take it because, you know, very, very good cyclists have done it. Right. Like pretty crazy. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, she is. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I already knew she was super strong, but she just, yeah, uh, it's tough to like, it was pretty windy that day. Like those sort of things you never know. Like it's, sometimes you need the luck of the draw of like, okay, it's going to be windy. Is it right, different right. things? I mean, obviously Sam and Lionel look like they like really study. <laughs> yeah. I think they went like all in on like, it was like full on Kona prep style race course. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But so you've been like adjusting your goals now. some and stuff through all this. Is that like, cause obviously at this point, I mean, we don't know when racing is going to resume. Nobody knows. So how are you kind of adjusting and like staying focused week to week? Yeah. So at first it was that, you know, initial thing of, okay, Oceanside's canceled, which for me was completely fine because I'm always usually slow to get going in the year. Um, Just that first 
April, May can be up and down for me of just like, I usually take a very long off season. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, I shut it down fully after Arizona. And then December, I don't do much like I snowboard a ton. And so then January, February, I'm just getting going. And so um, yeah, it was like, okay, that's fine. But then when it start, you start to realize it's, I thought, okay, my season will start with Chattanooga 70.3, which um, like in the summer, I've won. Yeah. yeah. Like later May. And then, and I was like, okay, maybe if not even that, then maybe Coeur d'Alene will be back up to Ben. Love Coeur d'Alene. We have amazing homestay there. We drive over to that one and then fly out and do Lake Placid. And obviously, so yeah, I guess back to your question of things have shifted. I think it, I think it clicked for me that triathlon was going to be delayed for a while. Um, in the back of my head, I thought for a bit that maybe um, Dirty Kanza was going to happen, which is a 200 mile okay. gravel race, um, June 1st weekend. So it would be, would have been coming up and that wasn't canceled until a little bit later. So for me, we just started riding. We're like, okay, that's sweet. Like triathlons might go off, not go off, but it, there might be a better likelihood, like a smaller sized gravel event in the middle of nowhere might actually happen. This was before it kind of escalated more and more. So I started putting in long miles on my gravel bike thinking like, Oh, like, which has been on my list anyways, like adding in some of these gravel events. So it wasn't, it was like, sweet, I'll just train for DK. And once I can swim again, cause I haven't, yeah, the pools have been closed. We were swimming in that lake, but um, yeah, the pools were obviously fully shut down everywhere. So, but then that got moved. And so yeah, I think it's just then you just shift um, and then adapt, I guess, what you should be doing. And that what you should be doing, I think, is very personal. Um, I know I have some friends that are just, yeah, crushing it, like motivated every day. I have some that aren't doing as much because it's technically, if you plan your year out fit, for your certain fitness levels, you're we are technically back in like December, January. So, and that's how I guess me personally, I'm treating it as well. It's like kind of laying the base this year. is just going to be a very, very big base um, with month after month of (laughs) aerobic work, but aerobic work, strength work. um, I mean, I've thrown in a few things like the Mount Lemon. Um, I did one of the Zwift races. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, I did the first one because I was like, oh, cool. Like, let's check out this one. And, got, and then you were like, this is crazy. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is like absurd. I have not done I've been doing like big gear work. And you have to like sprint all out for like, I don't even know that first. I had been warned, Paula, because Paula rides Zwift a lot. Um, she's like, you need to get start spinning up now because we were actually on that first one in the our garage together she's like you need to start sprinting now and I was like I am I'm sprinting I'm sprinting I'm trying I swear <laughs> and then everyone's gone I'm like what oh man that's <gasps> yeah so it sounds like you just kind of been a job you're going through the same thing all of us are going through which is like eh, like maybe I can do this and then you maybe I can do that maybe but it just keeps changing um <sighs> are you finding it yeah. hard to deal with I'm finding it hard to deal with like emotionally oh yeah oh. Yeah, I like I 1000% cracked last week, which was why I think part partly why we also came uh, Wadi agreed to make the drive up. I literally was just like done and I think all everything kind of sunk in. Um it just all came, yeah. I like slept for like 3 days straight. It was just I don't know, stress, um mm-hmm. 
constantly being like, what should I be doing? I mean, I'm training a lot. Like I was still doing, I had a couple like 30 hour weeks and training like 25 to 30 hour, like Ironman weeks. Right. Cause again, like you're saying like everything is slowly readjusted. I wish like, I don't know, not like the Olympics where they're like, okay, it's just next year. It would be so much less stress if they were just like, okay, we're going to race next year versus like, are yeah. we get, is like plastic going to happen? Cause for a while, and I, I just saw it was postponed yesterday, but it's yeah. like, you keep thinking like, okay, well I need to be ready to go if Lake Placid's going to happen. But it's um, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But no. no. Yeah. I mean, exactly. anybody, I was, then, it was weird to me that people, yeah, it is weird that you know, it, you don't know. It's like you knew, but you didn't want to accept it. Like I right. knew, but then it's like, you don't want to fully shut it down. Cause you've just, I like had a great preseason this year. I had a great three months and I'm like fit. And then I've let it go a bit, like kind of went back to aerobic. Um, but yeah, it's just this weird, I don't know. But so back to your question. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had ups and downs. Last week was a rough one. Um, and now we're back in Ben. I feel just a little bit, yeah, not remotivated, but again, it's like, what am I going to, what am I doing? So, I mean, we have, yeah, I'm, we're planning out some different like gravel adventures, bikepacking trips, stuff around here again, like not traveling, but within your own area, obviously. And just, I don't know. I mean, I'm right now it's chat again. I keep saying the same thing. It's like, you just readjusted Chattanooga 70.3 is tentatively August 23rd. Will that happen? Uh, I know. I think I'm optimistic. It seems very optimistic. I, yeah, I think we've been getting, I've been getting a lot of feedback. I think the age groupers are going through a lot of the same stuff. The pros are going through because they keep saying, because they sign up for a very specific race, right? Like they don't have the luxury of picking and choosing like you right. do and yeah. so they like are and they don't know like they probably it's not going to happen but how do you know you don't know it's still on the calendar it could happen maybe right do I stop training exactly. I don't know yeah yeah it's so hard it's like but then even yeah then I'm like okay well I technically would be doing a lot of halves right now and I use those to race into fitness um for say like a Kona like or a different event so it's like okay, should we, I've talked with my coach about this. Like, should we just plan one out on the weekend that I would still be doing it and just get that same effort level and to be, like keep building the fitness and that, but then it's like, you don't want to burn matches because right. when you do, it is time to race and it's time to like battle it out with top other top professional women. Like, I don't want to be fried because I've just been like, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's no right answer. And it's like, I think it's so like, on some days I want to go ride my bike all day. And then other days I am on the couch, like watching TV all day. So it's, right. I think it's a very stressful time and very up and down. And I don't know that there's, I think it's good to maybe set a goal um, to work towards just to give yourself that daily motivation, but um, it's tough. Yeah. I wish I, I could. Mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it's nice to hear it's tough for you too. Cause I think, um, you know, I, obviously we've been hearing a lot about like staying positive and being flexible and adjusting your goals, but it's nice to know, it's nice to know you're going through the same thing. Yeah. We all are. <laughs> yeah, no, completely. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there are people out there that are fine every day. I can't imagine it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, n- that many people though, that every day are like waking up, like super motivated and it's excited. people who like <laughs> never turn on the news. Those are the people. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh my God. I had to stop doing that. I went off, I went off yeah social media too for a bit like I'll go through these phases like 
because even if you just open your phone it's like bombarded with yeah just it's intense something about it and I don't even want to like I don't want to hear about it I know it's there and I'm not trying to avoid it or not talk about it just I don't want to see one more like I don't know social distancing post or like so and so wasn't six feet away or it's like ah, oh yeah the social media has gotten very intense people are yeah people have a lot of time a lot of anxiety I get it it is what it is yeah yeah right exactly but you're known for being like very positive right like we're always like oh Heather's always smiling and laughing (laughs) how do you like maintain that positivity right like what's your does it just come naturally um (laughs) (laughs) thank you I try I think I am just a very like yeah because sometimes Wadi or other people will be like what like yeah not like where is this coming from like this is not a good time right now and I'm still I don't know I think I just have like a naturally very positive I I always try to make the best out of something or like see the positive um I yeah I don't know that's not to say though like what I just shared though that I don't haven't had some rough days because I certainly certainly have but I don't know I mean I think you can use the time there are I have found a lot of great positives out of this little mini break I mean you can definitely put in good base work which any training you do that's not gonna take that's gonna help you like it's you can use this time for the good for sure it's just making like finding that motivation every day to stay with it um and then maybe doing new things you wouldn't otherwise like if you have specific efforts and intervals that you do when you're prepping for a certain race like now's the time you can just we've been able to go out and explore ride our gravel bikes a ton like get out see new trails new places um go camping in the back of our car where we would never have done that if i had like specific training I needed to be doing we I wouldn't be sleeping in the back of our car <laughs> the day before right you're like so. no probably not <laughs> like oh I think they um, also just started landscaping outside my house if you can hear that in the background this is the working from home era. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, and you were okay. getting into gravel like you were supposed to do a whole bunch of gravel racing this year right because that on the on like the team or whatever um so you've been getting into it for a little while why do you think like those kind of adventures are fun right now or what's the appeal yeah no I've always loved it I mean even when I'm training even for like a Kona or a big race like all my non-specific effort rides um I'll ride my gravel bike just out on the trails I mean for me I just love being off the road you're not you don't have cars around you you're in the woods you're in nature you're on dirt roads it's just like getting back to yeah those unexplored areas like where we were down in Patagonia Arizona was just insane like you're literally it's you and just wild animal like cows horses like all wild cows antelope yeah they're just it's just open land down there and it what keeps the cows in certain areas are just the cattle guards on the ground but there's no there aren't fences or anything they can just yeah they're just you'll come around a corner and they're just across the road I don't know it's just it's gorgeous and it's just I guess escaping to back to like yeah nature almost (laughs) Yeah, no, you were supposed yeah, to do I mean, a whole bunch of gravel racing this year, right? Yeah, that was the that was the plan of trying to get my I, I was lucky enough to get my Kona slot at Arizona and that was purposefully to try to I was gonna do the first half of this year testing out some of those gravel events. So Belgian Waffle Ride, um there was one back east that I had thought about going to. Um I always say it wrong, Rasputitsa or something. Um, couple in Vermont and then dirty, I got into dirty Kanza, which 
was that, yeah, uh, last weekend in May um, was the plan. And then I would switch over and do a couple halves and maybe an Ironman Lake Placid and then Kona um, was a tentative plan. Right, right. But I feel like (laughs) we should tell people like who don't know Dirty Cans is crazy. It's like a 200 mile gravel race. It takes, I mean, I've seen pictures of people at the end. They're just like shell shocked, covered in (laughs) dirt, like look like vacant in the eyes. It's very hard. So. yeah that race looks crazy but for me I'm like oh because it's like I think the women it took around 10 or 11 hours I'm like oh it's like an Ironman like but I just get to ride my bike all day <laughs> and I don't have to swim <laughs> <laughs> you so you were supposed to do like Placid like Placid I know is like one of your favorites you I was there the year you won it outright because there wasn't a pro men's race so you were just like the first oh. person across the line <laughs> people were very excited about that <laughs> but you also Thanks, yeah. uh, you have to explain to me because I remember that year you also had a bunch of bananas what's the deal with the bananas oh my god <laughs> that is so funny that that stuck <laughs> yeah the, so like I'll I'll run out of t2 onto the run with a banana and it's um I this is came from um I used to work with Jesse Kropelnicki um on the nutrition side of things the core diet program and um, fueling for a race. And so he has, has his athletes um, have a banana for the run out because you've been taking in so much sugar and sport drink the whole bike ride that when you transition from being in a TT position to upright and you're running, um, you can have GI issues because all of a sudden now you're vertical, but also you might have like a bunch of liquid in there sloshing around or um, you've just been having a lot of, yeah, that same stuff out on the bike. So when you have a banana, um, sometimes it can calm the stomach or soak up some of the liquid. And so I ran out with this banana and I started, I just like, I had a little discomfort, GI discomfort. So I like had a a few bites of it and it seemed to calm down. And then, so I just was grabbing water at the aid stations and I was using the banana for the calories and fuel. And it, like, I was having no issues at all. So I just stuck with it. And everyone thought that I carried the same banana the entire <laughs> marathon, but I had actually grabbed the second one at one of the aid stations. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that's what fueled my marathon that day. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, it was just funny. Everyone was like, she's running with a banana. Like, <laughs> and she still got the banana. Yes, really. And then we like went off, we played off that in the, that was the year. Then we had Argon 18 paint my, bike yellow and we did a yellow kit for <laughs> nice okay makes sense oh, so, so good you... <coughs> sorry i mean so you've won a number of ironmans you have the uh you know lake placid whatever obviously um some... which other ones have you won st george um uh last year won spain mm. ironman spain um coeur d'alene and then arizona oh arizona right okay and you have the yeah. current like Ironman uh, fastest American time. Um, you've been like top that was, 10 Ari- at- that was Arizona, Arizona, right? Yeah. You've been top ten at Kona. So I guess where I'm going with this is like, what's left that you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, I think well, at the start of this year, it was like being very realistic with my my um, yeah, I guess final career trajectory, and it's. I guess in my head it was, I, I thought that I would have, or I think, you know, tentatively like two to three more Konas at say the highest level or trying to make that top five, top 10. 
Um, and, but all the while knowing, okay, like, um, there's always new, newer, faster, younger women coming up and, um, kind of making that transition gracefully and, and figure out what I'm still fully motivated by Kona and, um, want to give, yeah, my ultimate, like absolute best there. So that's still the ultimate goal. Um, just to see if I can, yeah. Top 10 is always a goal when I go into that race. Top five is always better. And then if I could get back on that podium is obviously the ultimate goal. But in my head, it's like, okay, I have two, two to three more years of that. Um, obviously, this year is different now. Two chances next year. right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I see myself kind of transitioning into that gravel racing scene um, more as like a a lifestyle switch, I guess. Not not a lifestyle switch, more as like a transition out of racing at the highest level and gravel still, I guess, provides that opportunity to compete. I'm a super competitive person, but also just get outside and ride your bike. I mean, the biking, I love to run. Biking and running are my two favorite. Obviously, not it's no secret. Yeah. I don't like to swim. <laughs> uh, so when I don't have to get up and go to the pool every day, that's, I'm probably not going to miss that. But <laughs> I mean, I think some of these gravel races are, are awesome. I have a lot of sponsors um, that are fully supportive and behind me to make that transition and and want to be a part of that. So that is like, I could never, yeah, thank them enough for that. That we I've already talked with a lot of them about that and just kind of transferring over to that while, um, yeah, undertaking those and then maybe get into some coaching or camps or um giving back to to the community that's yeah given me so much I mean it's cliche and people say that but I really do feel that especially working with um some like younger females coming up that want to get into the sport because I remember being there I mean I was just out of college and like you remember that like excitement enthusiasm like wildflower as a college triathlete like those were such fun times and to like maybe find yeah females coming out of that same time frame that I want to pursue the sport um would be super cool I think yeah. to work with there are a lot so of like, good women coming up too for sure yeah totally um that's kind of my next I don't know whatever that would be five five to ten year kind of <laughs> <laughs> plan <thought>. life, right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're not going to go back to being an elementary school teacher probably Oof. not Oof. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think it'd be better now. I mean, when I was doing that, I actually, so I was actually teaching ninth grade, which, oh. and I was 22. I was just out of school. So these, I mean, it was more having to deal with 14 year olds who were like, Miss Jackson, like my brother's older than you. Do you want me to introduce you to him? And I'm like, no, <laughs> inappropriate. <laughs> that's so funny i saw a picture of you too from that time though and you look like a you had like now we think of you as like your super blonde mohawk and your tattoos but you looked like a school teacher back then you looked like long blonde hair it's like oh my yeah, god totally. <laughs> <laughs> that was me i know i know and then i met wadi who when i got the job in california i was like oh yeah i'm gonna move to california i had never been to the west coast like i went straight up new england like small town in new hampshire and i hadn't traveled at all and got out to California and I was like where are all the surfer dudes like I was like looking for like the flat brims and surfer shorts and stuff like that and like I didn't even it, I mean I was on the other side of the hill in the Santa Cruz area so I'm like Silicon Valley so it's like right. 
there were no surfers, no, like nobody that looked like, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then finally I met Wadi and I was like, whoa, yeah, like, here, <laughs> here's a tatted flat brim, like, <laughs> oh, California. Man. So good. That's hilarious. And now, see, and now, like, I feel like you've had a whole lifestyle change and everything. Thanks. To I know. Him. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. hundred percent. Like, he's like, you're like straight. It was never that I. Yeah. I. I like was so clueless. When you come from New Hampshire, it's so tough. I try to describe because he has no idea about like New England, New Hampshire, like just small town. Like it's so different on the east coast than the west coast you come out and i just feel like people are more yeah expressive or open or have style different styles i don't want to say style and east coast doesn't but it's just (laughs) it's like different it's like like i don't know this is just what i grew up with i never like but i thought it was yeah super cool and he was like just whatever like be yourself be more open be so he's yeah helped me out in so many different ways not just like on just being yeah discovering more who I am too from coming from more of a just yeah I don't know not having done that I guess for sure <laughs> and you guys have like your and you guys started your own clothing company um which I think obviously this whole pandemic's been a little rough for uh oh yeah 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 <laughs> we we had to fully shut down we had to like lay off um I mean yeah lay off almost everyone it's more like we shut the doors and then furlough is it furlough everyone or lay them all I forget we we did something so that then they could file for unemployment um stuff like that so it's like but yeah everyone I mean we were able to get um the approval to open with a certain number of sewers because we make it all in San Diego and so we have a full factory there with sewers and we were able to get qualified as an essential business just to make masks and so our sewer, we, I think we were allowed to have like six or something sewers come in to sew these masks. And the, that I need to give a shout out to anyone who bought a Wadi Ink mask because literally it's kept us like somewhat afloat. I don't want to say we're afloat, but like literally we could pay some of the bills. So otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, obviously everyone's in the same position. It's right. not, it's not, yeah, that, but thank you to those people. And then just, yeah, we're digging out now of like, as they're slowly allowing more things to start to happen or, um, but yeah, it's been yeah. A, a rough couple months yeah, as everyone sure. probably has been dealing with. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I was trying to think if there's anything else I was going to ask you. Uh, we've been ending with a, would you rather lately? And so now after all your talk, <laughs> I feel like I want to ask you, would you rather do a 200 mile gravel race or an Ironman? that's so tough (laughs) (sighs) I don't know I think I'm still uh like right now if you said okay there's there's one event there's two events happening and they're both on the same day it's the only race weekend that's gonna happen in 2020 like Dirty Cancer Kona I would pick Kona a thousand times over for sure right now ask me in like three or four more years I'll probably have made the full switch over, but I definitely still have that desire to, to find what I can do at the Ironman level distance level. Um, but yeah, that is a tough one. You're like, I want to do DK so bad. That event just <laughs> intrigues me. 
<laughs> but if Kona and DK were happening this October and yet I had to pick, I'd, go, I'd pick Kona. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to us and for, for all of the, I don't know, positivity yeah. and, and real talk <laughs> and everything. Yeah. No, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks to Heather, Marilyn, and all our staff at Triathlete. Don't forget to subscribe to Triathlete Magazine's podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review if you like what you hear and share with your friends. And don't forget to keep training and stay motivated.